0: Good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So I'm excited tonight because we don't always do a multi-part podcast. And it's only happened probably in the past five, six years, less than ten times. uh, Maybe even less than five times. But the gentleman I'm bringing back on today as your guest co-host is worth multiple visits because our first episode that we aired for him was recently because I'm trying to get these released very close to each other so people can follow up. But he was episode 398. And the title of that was The Carnivore Life, Part One, with none other than Dr. Anthony Chaffee, sir. Welcome back to the show. We're jumping right in.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much, man. Good to see you.
0: It's great seeing you. And and again, for the newer listeners, it's fun trying to nail down somebody when they're on the other side of the world. <laughs> as far as time zones. I forget how many emails you and I had going back and forth. And then we were trying to you were trying to DM on Instagram. And I even I kept forgetting. I'm like Wait, is it yesterday or is it tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's really tomorrow, right? Yeah, you're, you're tomorrow. So, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yesterday for you. For, yeah, so I'm yeah, talking yeah, into me. the future. You're talking into the past. Good times. Uh, so yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're 13 hours apart, so I'm catching you at the beginning of your day, correct? That's correct: All right yeah, yeah. And, and here the, the sun has set it's after 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So again, ladies and gentlemen, quick refresher. All right, Dr. Chaffee and I got the heck uh, actually catch up in person at Ketocon uh, this past year, the resurrection of that great event in Texas that was shut down like many other events during the, the wonderful adventures of the you know pandemic or whatever you wanted to call it. Uh, but it's a quick refresher. Medical doctor, uh, neurosurgical resident, over 20 years of passion in in health and and the medical world. Uh, But one thing that has really helped him stand out to my audience, and obviously a lot of the other mutual healthy influencers that we're connected with, shout outs to people like Dr. Sean Baker, Vinnie Tortorich, all these great influencers, is he might know a little bit about meat and (laughs) a little bit about the so-called carnivore lifestyle and uh, how... I'm just going to jump right in, his podcast, The The Plant-Free MD, and Mm -hmm. let's just jump in. Where do you want to start off tonight, since this is your part two, sir, because part one was a great background to who you were, and where you came from, and uh, some amazing, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, go back and listen to episode 398, uh, because you've been on so many podcasts now, your your online exposure has really grown, but everybody, everybody just jumps right into the meat, and... I mm-hmm. love the fact that you and I got to dig a lot more into your personal background, where you started coming up, coming up with your professional experience, why you left rugby and you started, you know, you went to, um, I'm blank on the country right now because <laughs> we're, on, hey, we're hot on the microphones. Thank you. And, uh, that, by the way, you, you, you sent me down a rabbit hole, uh, after that episode, <laughs> I started Googling and you weren't kidding. There's not mm. a lot of exposure on that at all. No.
1: Yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy uh, event. I mean, it was an actual mass genocide. Yeah, with um, you know, two hundred thousand people killed in a month and a half, and it was just no, no exposure. No one was talking about it. I was shocked. I heard about it, and I was like, "What? I, how am I unaware of this?" And I started going through all the different major you know news channels, cable news, and couldn't find anything. No one was talking about it at all during the event yeah. and i didn't think that that was that was uh that something like that was was going to be possible it really opened my eyes as well because when i was over there on the ground i was talking to all these different humanitarian workers that their career is going from you know disaster to disaster there's so many more that uh, were going on at the world that no one knew anything about because they're just not spoken about you know we're talking about all the horrible things and the horrible flaws in, in Western countries and how terrible that is. And if you actually show just how, you know, how all of these awful, awful, awful events around the world, all these, these terrible humanitarian crises around the world, it sort of shows uh, how, you know, that's probably out of, out of, you know, putting that out of context um, isn't, uh, you know, isn't, all that useful, you know, because there are some really, really, really terrible things happening around the world that, you know, Western civilizations and countries actually help with all the time. Yeah. And, um, and that those sort of countries would absolutely literally kill to have what we have in Western countries, uh, that sort of safety and security. And and the problems that we have are nothing compared to these problems. I was talking to uh, the commander. Well, he was, a, he was a commander in the Bangladeshi, army retired. And he was, he was the, the director of uh, one of the charities I was there with called the hope for Bangladesh. Um, and um, he well, was a really, really nice guy. And the sort of things that he must've seen uh, oh. during his career uh, must've just been absolutely incredible, but he was the like kindest, most you know, just quiet down to earth person uh, that, you, that you could imagine. And I was explaining to him you know, all the, all the things that were going on in America at the time, that was right when microaggressions were, were a big thing. Yeah. We talked a lot about
0: that in that episode. Yes. The micro versus macro.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I was saying that, you know, uh, um, that a microaggression is the same as an aggression, which is the same as murder so because of all the microaggressions going on in america this is the largest genocide in human history was going on and i was explaining this to him and he was just so like he's just like laughing and bemused like what what do you what like why would people care about that you know and um, it really puts things in context when you go to someplace like that and you see the, the actual trials and tribulations that people have to go through on a daily basis Billions of people throughout around the world right now, and it it really makes you understand just how blessed we are in Western countries. Not to say that we don't have things to improve. There's nothing perfect uh, of human creation ever. The the word "perfect"
0: uh, should not be applied uh, anymore to society or our life choices. There's there's no such thing as perfection. We all have opportunities to improve.
1: Yeah. yeah, Well, and and perfect to whom? Yeah. Right. You know, like one person says, "Hey, this looks good to me." someone else is going to just, just hate it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's sort of the problem that we have now. I mean, the, the case in point, microaggressions, that's something that is not traditionally thought to be um, uh, rude or insulting. Um, but someone has just decided and, and the person did not mean it as such, but someone has just decided that was rude. Mm. That was not acceptable, but it's just, but it's, it wasn't intended to be and it isn't traditionally thought to be. So it, it's, just, it's just a matter of interpretation. And, and as jo- uh, Joseph Campbell said, it doesn't matter what you think or believe, somebody somewhere hates you for it. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just do what you think is right and live your life and not worry about it.
0: Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people have allowed those mistakes to take over their lives and worry so much. What other people are people doing? Social media hasn't helped with it. I, I, I preach this all the time because I do it as a business. I tell people like you have a choice to use social media as a positive outlet or a negative outlet. So hopefully, you know, people like yourself, other people that I'm connected with, like we're going to at least put something productive out there into the world, uh, but also be ready to have somebody judge you uh, for it. So that'd be like, all of a sudden you start changing up your feed and bringing back throwback posts from Bangladesh. Now, I would respect it because you're using your platform and your your positive exposure, what we're doing right now, for example, to bring some of that to light. Because I, I, anybody, I challenge you, please, Like again, after that episode, ladies and gentlemen, I went and started diving deeper and deeper, probably on and off for a couple of weeks because it was still just mind-blowing. And for years now, I've always joked around. I call it the negative news network. So they, you know, the, the news, quote the news, the people that are supposed to be serving us are serving themselves. All they care about is sharing negative things that could get likes, clicks, downloads, etc. And, like, you know, we don't have the history of respected people like Walter Cronkite, like those old school, you know, newscasters mm-hmm. and people who actually did their own research and really – brought a lot of these types of things that you dealt with to the light. Now it's like, oh, there's not enough drama behind it, or there's not enough uh, 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 social exposure that's going to cre- create something viral. And I was like, yeah, but this is mm-hmm. a, this is a very, very bad thing happening in the world. Yeah, so, But it's real. It's real, yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you start cycling that into your feed, you'll probably piss off. I don't know, actually maybe a fellow meat lover. Cause like, I just want to see more about steaks and steak science. And and, right. and, and I was like, yeah. I get, I mean, if I was you, I'd be like, I get that, but this is actually sort of my foundation. This is what I came from mm. and it's important, but people are afraid to even do that nowadays. They're worried about what everybody else thinks. Right. And yeah. it's a shame. It's a shame.
1: It is. So. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, I mean, that's a, that's actually why I started. Instagram. I wasn't on Instagram before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a lot of pictures from Bangladesh. And then people were saying actually people wanted me to start like a YouTube channel, start talking about my experience over there. And I'd never done anything like that. So I was I just sort of uh just never got around to it. And um I regret that. I would have been I think that would have been good for people to see and at least to to sort of document that uh that time in my life and and you know, on the ground because every day was crazy, you yep. know, every, every day was something else that was just completely wild. Yeah. And- talk about
0: cortisol level buildup. I mean, <laughs> not to, yeah. not to make a joke. I'm being serious. It's like we talk about stress and the impacts on our health and you were literally in ground zero day in and day out and other professionals like yourself were there trying to help. And I mean, God, the cortisol level buildup, I can just fathom that. I mean, whew, yeah. that's, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very stressful and there was a very, it was a very, well, the most intense period of my life, bar none. I mean, there were, there was some very crazy events and, you know, my, you know, attention and, um, uh, you know, like stress levels were always maxed out mm-hmm. because, well, first of all, it was, it was in the middle of ISIS, uh territory basically they were you know, i don't think it was it was actually carved out as like isis controls this but they were very very active in bangladesh and speaking to the locals there they were telling me that they're not only active but they're they were supported they were supported by uh you know the, the local imams and things like that were saying like hey these are the good guys these guys are doing god's work and and so um what i was told was that no matter where you go anywhere in the country, there is someone from ISIS there. Wow. You know, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, someone there is in ISIS and not just someone who thinks that they're like good guys or whatever, but someone who is willing to kill and die for the cause. And, you know, we were we were sort of out and there were people around um, and we're at like a, a hotel restaurant and he was pointing around and he was local and he, he was looking around and he said, right now, somewhere... He, somewhere here there is someone from isis this is just how that works
0: there's always a silent silent player nearby just observing always yeah
1: always yeah there's always something there and if there's an opportunity you know they will most likely take it and so you just have you have to be aware of that you have to be uh, careful you have to be on guard and that's why all of the hotels had metal detectors bomb detectors. Um, you know, bomb sniffers, they had, you know, know, armed security with machine guns and shotguns and things like that. They stopped every single vehicle, you know, a hundred feet away from uh, the hotel. They checked them, they used mirrors under the car, looking for bombs, all these sorts of things. And, you know, even us, you know, we come in and out, we were going through the metal detectors every single time. So yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't, um, you know, but at the same time, it was—I it was—it was a good. <laughs> it's a good thing because that you know it it stopped the attacks. You know, before that, there were many, many, many more attacks, and there were hotels being blown up uh, specifically for foreign aid workers who were coming to help.
0: So, so back then, I mean, because that would be a great segue to kind of connect to the future too. But what did you do to battle that? How did you work through all that? Because you weren't obviously super, super. You weren't, I'm, I'm actually, you'd be able to answer that too. Were you able to live super carnivore in that world, right? At that time with your lifestyle commitments and how are you be able to uh, overcome those severe levels of stress? What were some of your best practices?
1: You know, so I, I hadn't had that sort of, you know, uh, realization again that like, oh my God, like, no, this is, we're supposed to be carnivores. We are carnivores and that's what I was doing. 20 years earlier, or at that point, sort of 15 years earlier that I was, I was only eating meat. And that's why I felt so good. I, that was actually di- directly after I got back from Bangladesh. Yeah. But funny enough, you know, I was, uh, the things that I was eating, um, I was, it was, I, I sort of went back and forth to like, from at least keto to uh, carnivore
0: yeah.
1: where like in the mornings, I was just, I was just anything that had meat in it. I would get just, just load up all of that and, you know, a whole bunch of eggs. And that's what I would have. And because I could get, I could get breakfast sort of at like six in the morning and then we'd be out or even just, yeah, even just before that, sometimes we do, you know, the, I'd get picked up at like 6am to go into the refugee camps. Sure. And, um, and so I just pile up on as, as much meat and eggs. I figured you I had could. to fuel yeah. the tank
0: early. Cause then obviously once yeah. you're in the thick of it, it's kind of hard to no. take care of that. It's nothing. Yeah. Nothing there.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, you, you know, you get out there and, um, and you just, you just go all day. And then, you know, at night I would, I would come back and maybe get, uh, you know, some like, fish or whatever. I, 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 my, my children always, my throughout my whole life was just meat. Yeah. I was trying to eat meat. And, and then I think like halfway through, I started thinking, you know, first of all, all that was going fine. And then I started thinking, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm really not getting anything during the day. You know, maybe I should like load up on even more. Maybe I should load up on carbs as well. Uh, maybe that would help me. And so I was just eating. I was, I was throwing in different carb things as well to sort of load up. And, um, and, and I, I instantly started noticing, uh, you know, detriment, you know, I didn't have as much energy. I was hungry more throughout the day and the uh, you know, I was eating more. And I, I was actually putting on weight, you know, like during the, the first part of that, I was actually still staying, you know, pretty lean and muscular. And then I started like, you know, putting up on weight and I even noticed <laughs> that I was just like, Oh, that's probably the carb. There's probably like, cut those things back. Yeah. And, um, and I would just go sort of like, you know, several days without carbs and I would start leaning down and then I would, you know, you know, start eating more carbs. and just bulk back up. So, um, it was very apparent to me, you know, what going on and off carbs. I was always, always meat based. And then as soon as I got back from Bangladesh, uh, my, you know, my brother had been trying to get me to watch, uh, that, that, uh, Sean Baker interview on, on, um, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, yeah. you know, sort of everyone. That, that was a uh, big groundbreaker.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was well, it, it, it got to a lot of people. It really, you know, made a lot of, um, a lot of people aware of, of this argument at least and this this idea and for me um it I, I sort of avoided it for a while um because my brother was saying oh you, you got to watch this i you know the, the joe rogan things i mean they're hours and hours long i'm like oh, so, I don't really have to hours <laughs> my, to my wife will more. not
0: listen to my podcast um she's like i hear you yeah. enough, that as it is <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I feel like our, our I feel like our significant others are totally going to take advantage of that. You got to show you get it. So she's like, no, yeah, yeah. I'm no, but yeah. she's like Joe Rogan. It's all about yeah. Joe Rogan. So if we're on yeah, a road exactly. trip, it's Joe Rogan. And I said, man, how does he go that long? Like I have a long format. We'll go an hour, hmm. no problem. But two, three hours. I was like, you go, boy. Wow. Yeah. That's that's commitment. Yeah, they're great.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's really great with things like you know, with with like you know Sean Baker because you really flesh out his ideas, or like you know Jordan Peterson. Like mm-hmm. I thought, I thought his original uh, podcast with Jordan Peterson were fantastic. probably the, some of the best out there. If you want to get to know, you know yeah, yeah world and world you are, tell somebody like Jordan,
0: are. you got to go long format. It does take That's a while. Wired. The way his brain's yeah. wired, you got to let it flow.
1: Um, well, there's so much there, yeah, and there's so much to talk about, so much to get into, and uh, for for. Peterson, because the guy just knows so much and it, and it's, it's so deep, such deep thoughts. And, and, you know, he spent decades formulating these thoughts and yeah. putting them together in just such a way that you really do want to hear them. It's really actually very important. Yeah. And yeah, so th- those and sorts of- And you can't throw fun. him
0: off. Like he spent all that time, he's like, yeah, I know my stuff and yeah. trying to rock that boat. <laughs> You no. Can't. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. They picked the wrong guy to mess yeah. with And Oh, we're going to cancel this guy. I'm like, no, no, uh, you're not.
0: no. Yeah. yeah. He, he's got a solid career behind him. And to your point, right. Mm. He, he put all the thought in, he's done the research. He knows the content. I mean, heck even his daughter, Michaela, that girl is mm-hmm. up there now. I mean, she's really mm. building herself up in her own way. So, uh, a very yeah. impressive lineage, but yeah, that long yeah. format. Whew. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Baker, I had actually stumbled across Baker because of Vinny. Then I went back and found that old Joe Rogan show, went ripped through that. Then I got Sean on my show, and it's just, you know, full circle. And then once you – it's these things like – it's just like what you found in Bangladesh. You chose to to go to Bangladesh because once you found out about it, you're like, wait a minute. Like, what if I can make an impact? And I remember from the episode on my show, you're like, well, and also, what if I die? Like, all those thoughts are flowing through your head. So all these what ifs. And it's like, well – well, what if this is a smart decision? What if this is a lifestyle that we should be digging back into and getting more people to speak about it? And that's the power of podcasting, right? Yeah. I mean, heck, yeah! That's why you launched your own show. Actually, you're coming up on a hundred shows, aren't you? Episodes.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in the in the '90s now. I think I'm, I got I think a screen I'm, share from yeah. YouTube people here. Here we go.
0: Plant Free MD on Spotify, everywhere else too. But there you go. Episode 91 was released on the 11th. So.
1: Yeah, um, I'm due. I should I should have put one up earlier this week, but I had uh, I had covid, so that's my excuse. Yeah, you're busy and,
0: kicking the crap out of something that yeah. wasn't a big deal when I kicked the crap out of it twice as well, yeah. so. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like to refer to it that way. Is I don't know how how do you <laughs> refer to the the vid, the co, the whatever letting your body naturally defeat something that with an immune system you can. Um
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. You know, I've been uh you know, I have, a, I have a pretty good immune system. I'm metabolically healthy, and I think that if you're in that if in that position, I think you know generally people do very very well. Um, other people don't. You know, my my mm-hmm. cousin actually passed away from it. Um, she was not uh, metabolically healthy. Yeah, she was. Yeah, let's pause on that. I, I, I,
0: that's obviously, sorry for that loss. I did not realize that. Thank you for being so honest and sharing that. But the key words there you threw in there were metabolically healthy because I love mm-hmm. my family, but. My sister, my young, my older sister, my younger brother, my mother, and my father do not look like me. We all come from the same gene pool, but I've been committed to a healthy lifestyle. And uh, your key words are metabolically healthy. You know, I mean, let's can, can we hit on that? <laughs> uh, because it is tragic when I hear somebody that I'm connected with they lost a family member. And again, can I, can we take a position that if she might have had a healthier way of life, might she have been better off defeating something like this? we don't know she might've had a biological marker or a genetic marker that had been predispositioned to also be get her butt kicked by this. I, I have close friends that have lost very close, significant others and family members. So it's a very touchy subject. Um, but yeah. why don't you hit on that? Since you obviously can talk yeah. about that close to home.
1: Well, I think that I think that there are quite a number of illnesses that obviously are going to make a much make a much harder time for you to pass mm-hmm. uh, through it safely. If you are not metabolically healthy, you know, there's, um, you know, Mike Mutzel, he does a metabolic Mike thing. I mean, he's been railing against this the whole time that, you know, why are we focused on, you know, on this, when, you know, all these studies, all this data shows that if you are metabolically healthy, you will do much, much better. And, and that's right. I think that's correct. I think that's something that, that people can do, uh, that they can affect in their own life, that there's something that, that they can, um, a change that they can, uh, they can affect and they can take control of their own health and their own destiny. And a lot of diseases, even chronic diseases, especially chronic diseases are being shown to be metabolic issues and metabolic issues specifically brought about by not eating the right thing. And, you know, getting back to my thesis that, we are animals and we have a natural biologically appropriate diet, just like all other animals on earth. And like all other animals on earth, if we eat what we're not biologically uh, set up to eat, we will get sick. We'll set, we'll, will shut down uh, certain processes in our body that will keep us that will keep us uh, well. And this is, this is, this is quite well laid out in the book uh, brain energy by Dr. Chris Palmer from Harvard oh, yeah. who yeah, who, who's showing that that schizophrenia and these psychiatric issues, all of them are metabolic issues. They all come down to metabolic dysfunction at the level of the mitochondria. The mitochondria are so important for the, the proper cellular function of all your cells and especially your brain cells. And so when these get dysfunctional, even slightly, they will, because they're so intricate, They're they're just trillions and trillions and trillions, tens of trillions of these things. And if they just go off a little bit, you will have a major effect, a major problem uh, because the mitochondria are the major workers inside your cells. They're, they're actually moving around is your cells. Is, is
0: it fair to say they are the power plants? I mean, really? I mean- at the cellular level. They're, they're, they're
1: more, they are, uh, well, yes, yes, they are. They create all the ATP, which is cellular energy. That's a cellular, that's a currency of cells that is what's sort of traded and passed around. Uh, they create that. And so they recycle ADP, um, adentine tri- diphosphate into adentine triphosphate. and And then that is given off to d- different sorts of things. And that third bond is broken and that gives energy. For different sort of functions and actions uh, in this this, this uh, microcellular uh, uh, machinery. But they do much more than that. They're the workers or sort of the workers in the factory, as, as Dr. Palmer says, because they're actually moving around the cytoskeleton inside your cell. And so, the mitochondria will go here, drop off ATP, here, drop off ATP, here, drop off ATP. Yeah, that's his book there. And, right. and so, they're, they're actually moving around. So, it's not just that they're just generating atp and if that sort of gets screwed up uh it won't there won't have be as much atp it, that's true but it's also that they have to move to certain areas and deliver the right amount of atp at the right time in the right areas to the right machinery and if that breaks down at all you get serious problems so is and that so- all
0: pre-programmed I mean, basically like you're saying it's like this, as long as the system is wired properly and it's being fueled properly, that's just a default setting, so to speak, right? I'm just, I'm a yeah. micro, I'm on my, I, when I was in high school, I studied microelectronics technology. I used to be able to build circuit boards and do all this stuff. So I don't, I, I think that's why I geek out so much about psychology and then the neuro stuff that you're geeking out about. Cause I'm like, oh, I just, I'm picturing a computer, like a human computer. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, super complex one, but yes, yes. So yeah, <laughs> because it has it has different inputs and outputs, right? So they, they get a certain input, they're going to go do something, right? So there's there's, but it, I mean, it to an insane degree because there's so many so many uh, different inputs and and uh, possibilities of what they can do. But yes, it's so it's, it's just sort of automatically done. So the mitochondria don't don't have brains; they're not thinking, but they they are responsive. You know, mitochondria originally were actually individual cells. They were their own cells. And then they sort of morphed into a part of another cell and became the first organelle. And then these other organelles, which which are like the organs of a cell, Mm -hmm. started forming up around that. And really what those things are, they're basically the machinery for these mitochondria to go use. So they go, so all these things are like sort of fixed and sitting there and the mitochondria go like, bang, here's some ATP. Now you move. Now you do, now you go, now you go. And it goes around. And if that, and it's not random right? It can't be random because every single one of those things, as soon as that does that, that's setting off different signals, that's setting off different uh, you know signals to the DNA. It's going to set out epigenetic effects with different, di- different uh, parts of the DNA. Uh, parts of the genome are going to get um, uh, triggered and they're... <clears throat> the most finely tuned precision instrument that we know of that exists right and you mess with that that sort of gets a little bit out of whack that it will go wrong and that is what we're seeing manifest as schizophrenia as diabetes as heart disease as thyroid dysfunction as uh autoimmune issues all these sorts of things
0: but things like dual personality disorder and things like that right i mean that that could that be also awesome?
1: Well, probably. And, um, I don't know about that specifically, but you know, some of those things have to do with uh, major trauma. Like, you know, if you, if you split, split your personalities off is generally you know, some major, major, major trauma, yeah. uh, psychological trauma as well. Um, I definitely know but, things like
0: uh, depression. I mean, obviously I've, that is a major trigger. I mean, yes, trauma can trigger depression too, but I also know, I mean, again, what, what is the, what is the, Percentage of the brain tissue that's fat tissue, again, fueled by healthy fats, all that. I mean, what?
1: Yeah, it's like
0: 70%. Okay. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And then if we're talking about starving that process, that system, those protocols, and not giving it the necessary fuel that is needed, mm. to, so to speak, fuel the fire.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it- Yeah. And and look at this, you know, I mean, there there are studies that actually show you, we we call like, you know, when we're eating carbohydrates, we call that a fed state. We said, oh, that's a normal state. That's not a normal state. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been arguing this, you know, for years now that, you know, that, that what we call a a fasting state so-called is actually our primary metabolic state. That's the primary metabolic state of really, you know, nearly every animal in the wild. And we have studies showing that, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, looking at the metabolic uh, system of uh, different animals And, you know, and and yet we call that a fasting state just because by the time we were able to look at biochemistry at a molecular level, everyone was eating carbohydrates. So they said, Oh, when you eat, it looks like this. And when you don't eat, it looks like this other thing, but failing to recognize that when you eat anything except carbohydrates, it also looks like we're in that so-called fasting state. So when you eat 4,000 calories in ribeye, you are not fasting, No, right? But we call it a fasting state just because we're, we're just so stuck on that terminology. It's, it's wrong. We need to throw that out. And so you when now there are studies looking at because there are thousands and thousands of studies uh, looking at you know, ketogenic diets and, and, and showing the benefits thereof, or even calling it a fasting mimicking diet, because we have all these benefits from fasting and say, oh, well, but can you do that and still eat? And like, well, by definition, no. But of course, you do a fasting mimicking diet. It mimics, mimics the metabolism that you'll be in, in a fasting state, which of course is just your primary state. And so, yes, you have all of these benefits from being in a fasting mimicking diet, which is just a ketogenic diet. And of course, what that means is that that's actually our primary metabolic state. That's actually a good metabolic state to be in.
0: For the beginners, I've I've been doing, I've been experimenting with fasted states, you know, fasted protocols since 2010. So, I mean, I've got at least a decade of experience personally. So I like, what, what do you call that? Like the N1 experiments nowadays? I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just build my own report. Seems to work. Just throwing that out there, by yeah. the way. I come back, I have actually set PRs in my gym coming back after a two-day, you know, fasted uh, protocol. And people are like, well, oh, you're trying to lose weight. I'm like, no. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't need to lose weight, dude. I'm an endurance athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I'm good. Like, I, I float between 185 and 190. I'm just under six foot four. Uh, when I go donate blood, they love me. <laughs> my blood is awesome. So, uh, But yeah. <laughs> fasting... Which, by the way, on this note, I just found a new documentary. Have you heard about um, uh, Chris Hemsworth's new thing?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh,
0: well, you know who he is, the, the actor, yeah, right? Yeah. So on National Geographic, he partnered with National Geographic to create a new docu series. I just started watching it called Limitless, and you know, live better, longer. And like, I think it's the very first episode, or that I watched, or the second one. Uh, Doctor uh, Peter Atia is there. Mm-hmm. And he puts him through. he's never done a fast, and he put him through a four day monitored fasted like protocol on the episode. It was awesome, <laughs> yeah. and he made him keep working out and doing everything else and Chris was not a happy camper, but the whole point <laughs> the whole point behind it is is test it is like he wants to find a way to live longer, be healthier by understanding stress and understanding these stressed mm-hmm. states of the body and the mind and and that's why. Peter said, he's like, you won't realize it today. He's like, but going through a proper fasted state from time to time, like that he put him through, he's like, you're putting years back on your life. You're helping your body shed all this bad, dead juju. I don't know if you get you geek out about that or not. I mean I I actually on that note, do you get into the fasting at all? So
1: so from what I can see, uh, you know, all of these same benefits, you get them just from being in that met- metabolic state, you know, yeah. you get the, the autophagy, you, you clear your body of these senescent cells and, and you clear out those, those precancerous cells and those, all those little, uh, you know, half dead cells that aren't working too well. So all of those benefits from fasting, you get from just eating a proper diet Interesting. and because you yeah, because you'll be in that metabolic state. So there's a, there's a lot of studies with um, so-called fasting mimicking diet, which is a ketogenic diet. And they find that, you know, because they say, well, you know, it's really hard for people to fast. They really don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so, but can you do this by just getting in that metabolic state? And they find that, yeah, actually you can. And in a lot of times they actually uh, do better, you know? So there, um, there was one study looking at, at long-term fasting versus um uh, you know, I guess you call it like a modified fasting, like protein sparing modified fasting sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But they just gave them 100 grams of protein a day, and they found that you got all the same benefits, except you didn't get, uh, you know, nearly any of the side effects. Some people that were doing long term fasting, they were like, uh, like getting hair loss and things like that. Oh yeah, so people that were getting, getting 100 grams of of uh, protein did got no hair loss, and uh, and other things like looking at for diabetes in rat models they can actually regrow the beta islet cells in your pancreas that that create insulin so even for type 1 diabetics you could actually reverse that by by fasting and they said well you know that that's really hard for people to do can you do it in a fasting mimicking diet and they found out yeah actually you can get the exact same benefits and uh, in fact some of these some of these studies like i said you know, you get even uh, more benefits you are even more healthy you get all the benefits from fasting but you get other benefits as well, because you're actually getting nutrition, your body's getting nutrition as well as fasting. So, so I think we should need to need to think about that, because I don't think it's the fasting itself. I don't think it's the deprivation of calories and nutrition. It's it's, It's, it's the the correct correct fuel, and being in the correct metabolic state. And again, this all comes back to metabolic disorders, you know, um, So
0: would you say that metabolic state,
1: and I get this, right? Because
0: that's why I'm, I love we're geeking out about this because I, I know Vinny loves to throw out on his show all the time teaching people the awareness around being metabolically broken. And mm-hmm. it's like me, I'll wake up in the morning and yeah, I'm a coffee guy. I know that's a plant, but I'm, I'm doing my coffee thing and I'm good. Like I'm not hungry yet. So I'm, I, my body is technically, you know, I just woke up in the morning. I'm going to go do my morning workout, haven't eaten anything. So I'm in a, quote, fasted state, right? My body's already you know, pushed all the food out of the stomach in the middle of the night, all that stuff, digestions happen. I'm in a fasted state. I got plenty of energy because I am a fat adapted, you know, protein driven, you know, meat lover. And then I might not eat until 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I uh, my, my favorite little thing is I, I love eggs and bacon. So I, 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 have, I have a local farm that I get everything from. It's so it's even better. Absolutely love it. And I'll grab, she's like, you, just, you, you, you buy a lot of eggs. And it's just me mm-hmm. my wife does not eat them I come back with flats of them <laughs> yeah and I was I was just there this weekend and I'll put down five six eggs you know mm-hmm. and people are like where does it all go and I was like into my cells it's called yeah. the egg is egg outside as beef is like a great source of fuel um and then tonight before here like right before here I finally remembered to eat at like 6.30. I was like oh you know what let me throw a little i, I grabbed a pound of ground beef toss it in my skillet you know that's it that's it. People are like, Isn't mm-hmm. that boring? I was like, it's quick and it's easy. It's and it's yeah. from my grass fed steer that I, I have a local ranch raise for me every single year. I keep a half and I sell two quarters to my friends. I got a mm-hmm. whole steer to myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and it tastes good.
0: Oh, it yeah. tastes so good. Yeah, like all I gotta do is i throw a little salt, a little pepper on there for fun, you know, or I'll just mm-hmm. eat it the way it is. It's not rocket yeah. science. So but again, yeah. fa- the fasted state, right? I'm not eating until I'm actually maybe aware of hungry. And obviously, if I wake up in the morning and go hit, hit my workout, I will look forward to that lunchtime window of me breaking my fast. So I'm having breakfast, breaking your fast at whatever. It could be 11 a.m. It could be 2 p.m. It just depends on when that hits for me. Or I'll just go all day and just have a nice big beefy steak dinner once a day. Is that crazy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's basically what I do all the time. Yeah, I, I wake up. I'm not hungry. I just get up and I go. Yeah, you know, it saves a lot of time in the morning. Right. Uh, you know, I get an extra hour of sleep. I don't have to like cook breakfast and do all that sort of thing. I just I get up when I need to get up and I get ready and I go. And I don't really have to stop and slow down for lunch. I just, I can just keep working, keep going. I don't even think about it. It doesn't come up. And, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm able to, if I have time, then I might go to the gym or do a workout. And I always feel better working out uh, on an empty stomach. I just always have. Yeah. What's up with that? That was something
0: newer in the past couple of years for me. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm already in this fasted supposed state. And I know I'm going to look forward to eating my meat later. So I was like, I just started working out on the empty stomach. And I was like, oh yeah, this is not a big deal at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I just I just noticed that just just from trial and error that, you know, yeah. if I if I yeah. ate anywhere near like training practice, you know, because I would I would have rugby practice after uh you know, after, you know, I I finished with, you know, high school, college mm-hmm. classes and I would just be training all day. And so if I if I noticed that if I if I ate you know, my friend says, "Like, I oh, will never eat within two hours of training," and I'm like that. Definitely, that's a problem. You'd be puking all of that oh, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I even <laughs> noticed, like, you know, two hours wasn't wasn't long enough. You know, three hours wasn't. Four hours was maybe okay, uh, but I just felt so much better if I just had nothing. And so I I just noticed that, and I noticed that on on game days as well. That if I ate something at any point during that, if I ate any breakfast or anything like that, I would just i would just feel slowed down and i think you know that you 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 know your your gut takes a lot of blood takes a lot of energy to digest this food and so you're you're diverting a lot of blood that you need in your muscles that you need in your brain. Mm. And, you know, when you eat, you go into a rest and digest mode. Your body is just says, Hey, you know, we got our food, we got our fuel. You can slow it down just shut it down. Let's conserve energy. Let's conserve calories and let's work on rebuilding, uh, the structures as opposed to, you know, go going and going fighting, you know, a polar bear or something like that. And so, you know, you're just diverting energy in different areas. So, if you're, if you want to uh, be using your brain, be using your body in a, in a very high, high energy dynamic way, it's not a good idea to put a big bolus of food in your gut and divert a lot of blood there.
0: I, I realized that years ago when I, I, I thought I'd get into running. And I mean, rugby, that's a lot of running back and forth on the field, but that's mm-hmm. all like intermittent, or like interval training style. I, I thought I'd go try to do a marathon, but back then, and I did it. Um, and then I realized I'd rather bike a hundred miles than go run 26 or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I went back to my cycling life. I love rock climbing and skiing and biking. But anyway, I, I was like, check it off the list. Did, did the Marine Corps marathon back in 2008 in Washington, DC. And, uh, that was, you know, stress in the body. But, but back then I didn't know any better. Right. I was still listening to the magazine, you know, fitness guy, men's health or whatever. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, the mm-hmm. whole pasta thing. That's all BS. That's garbage. You're just just consuming inflammatory crap.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it (laughs)
0: is. But it's like last year I did my first ever ultra mountain bike race. It was 100 miles on a mountain bike with 10,000 feet of climbing. Right here in Pennsylvania. I I found it a couple years ago. And I'm like, well, that looks like it's going to hurt. Let me go try that. And I did the whole thing fat adapted. Mm -hmm. People are like, you can't do it. I was like, challenge accepted.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh granted, yeah, I, mean,
0: I, I looked forward to the uh, the campsite steak that night that my buddy was prepping for me because I was like, I put that thing down and then some. I probably had two steaks if I remember correctly. But I did yeah. a fat adapted.
1: Yeah, of course you can't. I mean the, the thing, oh, you can't do that, and um, you know, why why not? You know, I mean there's there's um people people made that same same comment back in the early eighties and they looked at other animals, because they said, well, because the argument was from all the, from all the, the experts at the time, uh, was that you had to, ha- you had to eat carbs in order to burn carbs, mm-hmm. forgetting biochemistry that as soon as you stop eating carbs, you make carbs. Right. And so that's what, that's what all of these people who supposedly took biochemistry, no, are you referring re- very good?
0: Of, is it, gluconeogenesis? That process and yeah, that?
1: Gluca- yeah, yeah, gluconeogenesis. Yeah, there's so so many processes. As soon as you stop eating carbohydrates, you ha- you unlock so many different biochemical processes. All of your heavy machinery comes to bear. You make blood sugar, you make liver glycogen, you make muscle glycogen. You start making ketones. None of those things are available when you're eating carbohydrates, and your insulin goes up. It shuts down all of those processes because insulin. You know, in in layman's terms forces energy into cells, it doesn't allow it to come out of cells, it blocks Mm. lipolysis, it blocks proteolysis. The only uh, fuel source that you have now are the carbohydrates that you have eaten and now are being stored in glycogen and then you can sort of use those. Those will run out in a matter of hours, whereas the fat stores you have will take weeks, even if you're a slender guy, if you're not like emaciated on the verge of death, you literally have weeks you know like you know, chris hemsworth yeah. you know he's a lean guy he's a lean muscular guy and he's got a lot of muscle so he's and he's going to be doing these big workouts so you know he's got a lot uh, he's got a high energy uh um uh requirement but he still has
0: so he'd probably rip through those stores maybe faster than somebody like me right because he he's carrying more well, muscle would, yeah yeah
1: yeah exactly yeah but at the same time even he is going to have weeks worth of energy before he starts even cutting into his muscle tissue mm. and start using that as fuel. And obviously he's got a lot more muscle tissue to to work through as well. So he'd be, he'd be fine if this was a starvation sort of thing, but they, they asked this question back in 1981 and, uh, they looked at wolves and they said, okay, well, if you need carbs to burn carbs, you know, do wolves have blood sugar? Do they have glycogen? Because they don't carbo load before they chase caribou for yeah, 10 right. hours, yeah. right? I, mean, I need know? a loaf
0: of bread. I got to go kill a caribou, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and um, get some, dig up some tubers so that I can have energy so that I can then hunt, you know, mm-hmm. um, they just hunt. And so they check their bloods, they check their, their livers, all these sorts of things. And they found out that, yes, they do have blood sugar and glycogen and it's rock solid. It does not change. It doesn't go up and down and flipping down, up and down and up and down. Like we do going through this, this state with, you know, insulin going up and, and, you know, our blood sugar going up, insulin going up, and then that dropping our blood sugar down, insulin staying up. And then we have to eat more carbs to bring that up. And all these big swings throughout the day makes no sense. You know, our body is very efficient. It's very, very, very exacting. And you, the, the idea that you have to micromanage your biochemical processes is insane. You're not going to be able to do that. They are far too complicated. And so if you if you are in that position where you're having to micromanage your, your biochemistry, you are doing something wrong. Something has gone wrong. Your body should be able to do that all on its own. Because funny enough, you know we were going through these processes and living long before we had the ability to measure these things and, right. and to check, oh, oh, what's happening here? You have no idea how complicated our biochemistry is. We should just let it go alone. And so that's the thing. When you are not eating carbohydrates, you are refilling and replenishing your blood sugar and your liver glycogen and your muscle glycogen to exacting degrees. And this is something we've used for diabetics for a hundred years to keep their blood sugars at very, very, very constant levels. And so the idea that Oh, but at the same time, you will keep your blood sugar at the exact right level. You'll keep your glycogen at the exact right level, but it, it doesn't, you can't actually like use it for anything. Why not? Why can't you use it? Like we, we have tons of studies going back a hundred years showing that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And so if you are running, if you are exerting yourself, if you're just living your life and you are keeping and you are maintaining your blood sugar, your glycogen and your ketones at perfect levels for whatever you're doing. If you're at rest, you'll have the exact amount that you need, uh, uh, to, to sit there at rest and you exert yourself, you will start increasing that production and you will maintain that appropriate level all coming from your fat stores. You know, why, why does it just shut down as soon as you, you start going on a jog? That doesn't make any sense. So, oh, now you have to eat a kid. You have to eat some you know, carrots and Tic Tacs. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so. Uh, And and we have, and we have the, the studies to prove it. And we actually even have, you know, going back to the mitochondria thing, there are studies looking at people going into ketosis, looking at the mitochondria and the mitochondria actually far more healthy. They're much more active and they're uh, about four times as efficient at making ATP four times as efficient. Okay. So that's, that's very field, right. That's it. That's it. If just being in ketosis does this being in ketosis on average makes your mitochondria four times more, more effective. So they're producing four times the energy as, as, uh, as, as people eating carbohydrates. So what do you think that's doing? These are the powerhouses in your cells. These are the things creating energy for your muscles. And they're creating four times the energy. You think that's not going to affect your physical performance? Really? Um, it gets, it's more than that though, because you get more mitochondria as well. It's actually, um, triggers them being in long-term ketosis actually signals your mitochondria to replicate. They, they can do that. They have DNA. They used to be their own independent cells. And so they actually multiply and you have more of these things. The more mitochondria cell has, the more healthy that cell has as a rule of thumb. This I mean, sounds like there- a way
0: better, I mean, since. Biohacking became a viral term, right, by people like Dave Asprey mm-hmm. and everybody else. But like, this sounds like a great hack uh, to yeah. actually you're hacking back into your body's basic fundamental technology and saying, "Hey, I, if you start fueling it right, it's going to handle itself at another level, four mm-hmm. times the energy output, etc." That sounds like the ultimate well, hack.
1: Well, four times, so each individual mitochondria will have four times the energy output, mm-hmm. and. They will increase the number, total number of mitochondria, by about four times. So this is really a 16x in oh, energy production. I'm loving that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Performance people, yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have the yeah, math on it. that before. I'm liking that a lot more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that, and that's the thing you were saying that, that that like, oh well, you know, it doesn't make it, you, you can't do it on. It's, it's like you you really can't yeah. do anything. You know, better than this, you know, and, and, and you're talking about you know, like hacks for your health. It's, it's really funny because it, it, it is a hack as compared to what normal people are doing, what we've been doing, what I've been doing most of my life. But in reality, all we're doing is actually just getting back to the normal functionality of our cells and our bodies, you know, just, just getting back to basics, just allowing our biology to work as it's designed to work is a hack now you know that's so much better than what we're dealing with is that is that now it's a hack but it is a hack it's it's it will increase our our um our energy our performance our brain power our body's uh, ability to exert energy as well as our longevity and our ability to to not Uh, develop any chronic diseases in the first place. Because again, most of these chronic diseases are dysfunction of the mitochondria. And most of the dysfunction of mitochondria comes from eating the wrong thing. All
0: right. Well, Anthony, I mean, since we're talking about the hack, we're talking Mm -hmm. about fuel in the body, right? Uh, And I just just popped back in my head, uh, having fun with you and your friends in Austin, Texas over dinner. I think you Mm -hmm. and your lady had pork chops. Am I right? Yeah, I think I had. Well, I think was I think because it was, it was funny just seeing you order a pork chop. It was funny, but <laughs> it just it just stuck in my head. But part of that conversation popped in my head is supplementation. It just popped in my head because I remember you don't supplement, correct? No, there are no vitamin supplements. No, because again, I mean, this is a great tip I've had on other shows. Is people like Vinny, and other people like guys, like we didn't even have supplementation until what the early 1900s. So as far as inventing the ability to create that. So So that's why why he loves using that with the angle against veganism. People saying, oh, we've always been like, nah, that's BS. Anyway. (laughs) Of course it is, yeah. But thanks to that conversation, uh, I wanted to let you know that I am moving away from supplementation because I want to – I've always had like – I just tossed a basic multivitamin in there and, uh, you know, I was like, well – I'm I'm probably more carn If you need to label, I'm more carnivore now than I've ever been in past two years, especially. It's been just more. and People are like, well, what? Well, what's your lifestyle? And I was like, well, wait till I get back on with the doc, and I'll have him label me. But <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm mostly. I was like, you want to call me carnivore, keto? Why is it got to be a label? But I was like, yeah. You know what? If if every so often, if I'm out at dinner and vegetables showed up on the plate. And if I forgot, I might eat a piece or two. But like, if I'm ordering a nice big ribeye, I'm good. I don't need that other crap. And I actually make the joke now when I'm at a restaurant, my my wife and friends. I'm like, listen, I'm making, I'm am t- taking it easy on the kitchen. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm making their jobs easier. Just put one thing on the plate. Yeah, they should appreciate me. <laughs> I just made them do less work, and I still got to pay the same full price of that meal. I just want what matters. A nice fat juicy ribeye, but I don't yeah. know because I'm allowing those other influences still here and there. I don't know what that makes me. I don't know, whatever. I just I love meat. I love eggs. I love bacon. That's probably ninety percent of my lifestyle. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting everything you need, yeah. and um, so yeah. I just uh, just keep going with that. Yeah, no, I don't think you need. I don't think you need supplements. I don't think you need to take any of those things. Um, if, if you think about what what. You know, what do we eat for? What's the purpose of eating? We're trying to build and maintain, you know, animal structure, animal tissue, meat, right? So what, by definition, is going to have everything that we need uh, in the proportion that we need it to build and maintain meat? Meat, right? So So
0: what about everything that happened with the COVID thing, right? We kind of joked, we danced around that. You've beaten it, I've beaten it. Uh, Everybody was saying how, hey, obviously, if you're metabolically healthy- you're probably going to mm. beat it, which we did. Um, so there's a full circle on that. But what about the whole talks about uh, maybe throwing a couple extra doses of vitamin D3 in, or something, or K1 or K2, right? So uh, was that really needed if I was already crushing steak and beef every single day? What 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 about that topic? So well, probably the not. Season, I mean, seasonal d- d- dysfunction, right? Depending on the time of year and the amount of sun and all those right, things, yeah. you know.
1: Well, certainly you need a, you need a minimum amount of vitamin D and K2 and all these other sorts of things. You get, you get a ton of those things from animal fat though. Okay. You know, that, that would be in your diet. And um you know, and, and you know, having enough magnesium and zinc, zinc seems to be, you know, a good uh, thing to have in your system. You know, if you're deficient in all of these things, you know, you know supplementing is probably a good idea. You know, even some people on carnivore, almost no one on carnivore diet gets uh, yes, deficient in these things. Generally, people come from a state of deficiency and it takes a wow. long time to, to build up, uh, you know, get that. Uh, nutrient uh, capacity up again. And so they might need to supplement, you know, early on, to help catch themselves up. Most people don't, you know, I'm, me after several years of being on a con, just a strictly meat and water diet, you know, I got all of my levels checked. I was you know, perfect in everything, all of my you know, vitamins and minerals and then hormones, everything like that it was all very, very good. Yeah. And so I didn't need any sort of supplementation, but some people early on, especially with magnesium, it can take six months of supplementation before you get your magnesium up to sort of normal levels. And so if you're coming from a deficient state, it might help to sort of boost you up to to take some supplementation early on, but eventually you won't, you won't need it. Um, I say,
0: so if you've been back on the red meat for over six months, your body should be building itself back up and finding those said nutrients you need.
1: Yeah, it should be fine. You cool. know, the thing with with vitamin D, you know, that that's an interesting one because though know, the CDC published a couple of papers looking at vitamin D, and they found that people that had higher levels of vitamin D uh, just did not get severe COVID, even even people that were metabolically unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, well, that that and that's I'll, I'll put an asterisk on that yeah, I was because say, they that's said there's a connection is, there. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. That's the thing because they'll they'll you know they said you know they didn't they said that just sort of like of all demographics, right? So they just say all demographics. So this would you know, say that, but um, that, uh, and after a certain level of vitamin D people had that they didn't, uh, they really didn't get any uh, uh, mortality rate. Basically, you know, like everyone was surviving this if your vitamin D level was above X. Mm-hmm. And if it was sort of above 2X, they weren't even getting any long-term problems from it. they weren't getting any like uh, major long haulers
0: or whatever they were calling it.
1: Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Long COVID sort of things. And so, but if you, if you look at it, um, vitamin D is, is a very good marker for metabolic health. Generally people who are metabolically healthy, do have higher vitamin D levels, mm. e- even if they're not in the sun all the time, because they would get that from the food that they're eating. You get that from meat. You get that from animal fat. Uh, like the Inuits. Like they're not getting any, they're not getting any. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah know, they're of on the
0: Arctic and, uh, edge there. Yeah, so that's yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. And so, and they have, they have plenty of vitamin D and they're very metabolically healthy. And there are studies looking at vitamin D supplementation and just getting people up or you know, basically artificially up to those levels of vitamin D, they don't seem to have the same health benefits that people who are just at those higher levels of vitamin D get. And so it may be, well, it is, it's theorized by, uh, by other people that I've, um, that I've spoken to like Dr. Paul Mason, that vitamin D is a, is a very good surrogate marker for meta- metabolic health, mm. but just, Bringing it up through supplementation, uh, you know, may not actually uh, be the problem. Like you, you, certainly need a certain amount of it, yeah. but past that threshold, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily conferring uh, other benefits. But having higher levels shows that you are more metabolically healthy. That it's more of a more of a surrogate marker for metabolic health. Well,
0: and again, if we look at the basics of supplementation, you're supplementing for a lack of something. So to your back to your core point, you fuel the body, right, with the right fuel sources. You should be able to back off of supplementation because you are fixing one of the most important baselines, which is your nutrition, and then you yeah. don't need to, to spend all this. That's why people are like, oh, carnivore's <laughs> got to be expensive. I mean, let's, let's go ahead and toss the money into it. And I'm like, is it? No. Because <laughs> if I'm not buying all these supplements and I'm not going down the grocery aisles and buying all these accessory items – I'm just all in on literally beef, eggs, and bacon. Like it's, it like, <laughs> it's not rocket science at all. It's like actually that's where all my money's going for my food. I, my wife jokes around. She's like, you just don't buy anything else, do you? I was like, why? Yeah, it's easy. It's all it. it's all in my freezer. <clears throat> like I, I go to the, I go, I travel 25 minutes to a uh, a local farm to get my eggs. So I'll, I'll pick up like 20, 30 dollars of eggs, you know, cuz are they're, they're farm fresh, so they're going to last and I'm going to rip through them super fast. The bacon comes mm. from a local butcher. He hand slices it right off the slab. But my beef yeah. again, locally <clears throat> raised steers, like 3 grand of beef, fully butchered, processed everything and then I just I keep a half and then I sell the quarters off to my friends. I'm supporting local, it's sustainable, <clears throat> it's 100% grass-fed too by the way for that price. Uh, that's US dollars, but yeah yeah i was like i i I, everything i need in my freezer
1: (laughs) yeah well that's it you know you you don't need any of these you don't need anything else you don't really want anything else and and you look at actually the price per pound Mm -hmm. of different things they're way more expensive than steak they just don't sell it in that in that uh metric and so you don't really see it you look at potato chips you know, if you actually looked, if you, actually you price that out per pound, because you get three ounces at a time for a big old bag like that, that's mostly air. Uh, if you, if you calculated that out, that costs more than steak, right? So potato chips, stupid old potatoes, yeah. you know, these things cheap as dirt, yeah. but they're selling them for over, for, for Super higher high sugar conversion
0: price. content too. Like the body processes a potato. It's worse than a lot of like desserts. Like it's a white yeah. potato is very sugary. So
1: yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's all carbs, right? Yeah. And so it just it just gets converted straight into blood sugar. And and they're they're selling this very cheap potato for very very high prices. They're selling it for higher than a steak. And so there's this huge 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 profit margin, which is why this stuff gets pushed because it's really cheap to produce. They can sell it for a lot, and you know we're being you know, we're dumb enough to buy it. Mm-hmm. And um and so all of these things are way more expensive. You look at how much you know, spinach costs. Spinach again—you're buying it in three-ounce bags, and it's you know it's five dollars for that. Okay, we'll calculate calculate that up to a pound, and you'll realize that again, spinach is is costing more than steak. Yeah. And how much yeah. of nutrients nutrition are you getting from potatoes and and spinach? Basically, nothing. And you're certainly not getting a full complement. Oh, I nutrients. see that argument you you all the time steak. from
0: the the vegan vegetarian movement. I'm like, there is no way in hell. That you're you could build the biggest damn bowl of spinach out there. There's no way that's defeating a steak on nutrient density and all the oh. other benefits that are coming from from in in that tissue, the the fats, the proteins, yeah. but all the minerals, densities. Like no, spinach is not equal to that at all. No, absolutely but, not. Well. It's
1: r- doesn't even have the doesn't even have the basic nutrients that we need. It's an incomplete nutrient, yeah. an incomplete protein, incomplete vitamins sources. Has no calories to speak of, yeah. and most of those nutrients like the iron and different sorts of vitamins and minerals they're all locked up because the, the plant is trying to protect those nutrients. It doesn't want animals. Oh to yeah, we, we
0: haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. By the way, are we good on time? I know yeah. you said we we tried setting this time to give you a bigger window because yeah. we got to go down that. I mean, you got a whole podcast called the Plant Free MD. But I know you're passionate yeah. about this protective component of the plant life that even I never really dug into. You know, I, I will say I was going to bring this up earlier. You talked mm-hmm. about doing, you know, do some testing on yourselves. I love it. I years ago I had. Did you get Dr. Anthony J. on your show yet?
1: No. You know, Dr. No, Anthony J. No, no, I don't think I've come he's across a ge- him.
0: He's a geneticist, so like he yeah. was doing stuff for the Mayo Clinic. I'll hook you up. He's been on he's been on yeah. my show like three times. So years ago, so one of his his business on the side. Um, actually, he left the Mayo Clinic because of all their COVID mistakes. <laughs> he's just like, I I'm out. Uh, but this guy, hugely intelligent geneticist dude, he wrote a, a best selling book uh, called Estrogeneration, The Impact of Plastics on Our Hormones and Everything." Okay. Very passionate about yeah. that. But you follow him on Instagram. You know, he's taking his kids out hunting for deer and like you know he's. But anyway, he. I hired him to do a uh, supplemental and chemical analysis. So he's like, hey, Scott, he's like, go get one of those like the cheapest 23 and Me, you know, things. But he's like, don't pay for their extra health analysis. It's all BS. He's like, but you, <laughs> you can log into the back end of your account and export the raw data file, the, the genetic stuff that I can't read. He's like, I read that. He's like, give me that and give me your blood work. And then he does a full supplemental analysis on, like, basically how I'm wired versus other people. Like, that's how I found out that I can expel caffeine like twice as fast as normal people. I have a marker for that. And, you know, everybody's all concerned about genetic markers. So it's amazing how advanced science has gone. But he does that as a service. So smart dude. He's been on Vinny's show multiple times. Dude, you would love to geek out with him on your show. Yeah. Um, but again, supplemental analysis. And he, but in there, he, points out different toxins and things you want to avoid based on your genetic profile. So it's very interesting. So it's like, well, Mm. I haven't geeked out about toxins and negative impacts of food and ingredients since then. But I know Mm. you're very passionate about plant toxins and it is a living thing that is designed to protect itself. So where do you want to go on that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's, um, you know, it's just simple as that. Plants, plants don't want to be eaten. You know, maybe they're fruit, maybe they would like that to get eaten. But even then, they want specific animals to eat them. They don't want necessarily us to eat them. There are most fruits and berries will kill you. That's uh, a fact. You know, yeah, you, yeah exactly. Yeah, you, know, you go, you go out into the wild. You know, people that know about you know foraging and hunting and and you know, survival out in the wild. You know, they they know you don't just eat random berries. And certainly, you know, like red berries. I mean, most most tribes are just like, you don't eat the red berries. Those are, those are uh, going to be poisonous. Uh, Fruits as well. You know, the cassowary bird eats 150 different varieties of fruit, uh, tropical fruit. And people say, oh, tropical fruit, living in the tropics, all these, these people have not looked into this, even at a cursory level. The cassowary bird alone eats 150 fruits. Every single one will kill you. Every single one will kill basically any other animal on earth except for the cassowary bird because the plant wants the cassowary bird to eat it. It does not want anything else to eat it because the cassowary bird has something going on in its intestines that that seed will germinate in the gut of a cassowary bird and nowhere else. And so if that seed does not go through the digestion of a cassowary bird, that does not turn into a plant. And so that is, that is a, a priority. That's a, a biological priority for those plants. And so it has to protect those things. I, I was going to guess
0: that they just wanted the bird to be able to carry it in its manure and pass, you know, pass it along you know and get the seeds out there. I didn't even think about it from a yeah. germination standpoint, which fun, yeah. funny segue on that note. Ponderosa pine in the western U.S., those mm-hmm. seeds will not germinate unless wildfire moves through and activates oh. them. So the ponderosa yeah. pine is a very, very fortified tree species. Uh, so, it, it, again, even Mother Nature is saying, hey, I'm used to wildfire. It is a naturally occurring thing. Just make sure the fuel load isn't so built up that it just nukes the tree altogether. But, like, if the fire just passes yeah. through naturally and a allowed to burn through yeah. in a very regular cycle, that it needs that to activate the seeds. Mm-hmm. But without that, and so that's a pretty aggressive species if you need a wildfire to activate yeah. your freaking seeds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so no that's so. interesting yeah well say they all have these these different idiosyncrasies that you know that that are required for their natural life cycle and a lot of seeds are you know are like that they have some sort of uh prerequisite uh for germination mm. and uh so yeah so if if uh, if the cassowary bird moves out of an area or dies off all of those plants will die off as well so there's that symbiotic relationship and so So you can argue that the plant wants the fruit to be eaten, but again, it wants it to be eaten by something. It does not necessarily want us to eat it. And so there are actually still poisons. There are still toxins, even in, even in sweet fruits like citrus, they all have, they all have defense chemicals as well. This is why you can't uh, have, you know, they can make a a grapefruit more sweet, but normally it's quite bitter and sour, very
0: acidic and bitter. Yeah.
1: Yeah and and that's actually something that should warn you away It's like oh that's not a good taste i'm I've not never going liked to eat fruit <laughs> I just, no, it's disgusting. i learned that when i was yeah. a kid
0: i'm like no not good no
1: it's gross well that's the thing though you know why why would we why would we have evolved to hate the taste of something that's good for us mm. you know why would that be a natural instinct why would that be a natural you know, flavor representation of something that's good for us, right? You can have things that are outliers like sugar. Sugar is not good for us, but we recognize that as sweet and something that we may like. But that's because when things are, are sweet historically, you know, now we've just put sugar into everything and bred it into everything. But historically, if we recognize something as sweet uh from from having fructose in it, that was something that you know, it wasn't going to kill us that day. It may have bad things in it, but it doesn't have enough that's just going to kill you. So it gives you you know enough energy to sort of get through this uh, through that sort of dry spell, and then you get get the food that you need. But you know, we've artificially made grapefruit sweet. They weren't normally sweet, and they were normally very bitter. Mm. That bitter taste, you can absolutely be assured that that is representative of chemicals that are harmful to you and your brain and tongue, which are sophisticated machines they can recognize these harmful chemicals. And they are telling you, this is bad for you, spit it out. And, you know, we go against that, unfortunately, to our own detriment. So for grapefruit, I mean, this is why you can't take certain uh, medications with grapefruit, mm. because it has all these different, uh, they're called furanocoumarins that are in grapefruit that are toxic. And our liver is detoxifying that, and there are different sort of enzymes called the cytochrome P450 um, enzyme cluster. There's a ton of them, and they're the ones that are going that have uh, to do with detoxification and metabolism of these of these uh, medications, metabolism of these medications, really what they're trying to do is they're trying to detoxify, you take this medication, your body looks at that it's like, well, that's toxic, we need to get that out of you. So it's trying to metabolize that and break it down and break it down and break it down and get rid of it. Um, So if you're eating grapefruit, you're going to be taking up a lot of those enzymes that work with these medications. And so you're going to use up those enzymes. And then there won't be available for the medication. So you'll either not get enough of an effect or you'll get it, or it'll build up in your system and it'll become a toxic load. Either way, it's not going to work properly. And so you can get, you can come into quite a lot of harm. So that's, that's indicative of that. So even citrus, you know, we think like, oh, that the fruits, all oh, all those things are good for you. No, 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 they're actually not. And you can get these pionacumeres; uh, they can be uh, sensitive to light. So the UV light will actually activate them. They'll irreversibly bind to your proteins and DNA and cause irreversible damage. Well, that your your skin cells will just have to die off and and then be replaced. So people can actually get like second degree burns from just getting lime juice on their hands or on their wow. skin and being in the sun. Yeah. See, I'm and, already noticing uh,
0: that with, it's not fruit, but, uh, this whole freaking <sighs> essential oil movements that's been going on for all yeah. these years. And I have two friends of mine that went like deep into it. And these girls yeah. have all kinds of skin issues right now. And I was like, how'd that yeah. essential oil thing go for you? Like dry, scaly, yeah. I'm like, like it doesn't make sense." And they're like doubling down. I'm like, no, 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 right. no, stop. Like, yeah, stop that. <laughs> like yeah well, and that's it's like, all plant derived so
1: yeah well it's like it's like any failed political policy they say this, like oh we need to do this this will help people and then people you know that that don't think that's a good idea saying oh actually i think we'll have you know problem x you know instead of your know, uh benefit a and they go well let's just go see we think it'll be fine so they get it through and then sure enough has problem x and uh and say it's like hey we told you it's problem X. Let's get rid of this thing. Let's do something else. And so, you know what? It's, it's probably because it, was, it wasn't funded enough. We didn't really do it because you were against it and we didn't yeah. really go you after it. Give it a second so chance. That's, that's the problem. Down. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 You just, just we saw how that worked with it. the whole
0: past three years. Uh,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's on that note. It's like, for example, until I got all that stuff done with Anthony, with Dr. J, um, he was like, I was like, you know, is there something about eating green peppers? He's like, well, it's a nightshade. I was like, he's like, but that'll pop up in, in my analysis. He's like, I was like, he's like, why do you ask? I was like, well, like when I was younger, I'd go eat a cheesesteak in Philadelphia Was what you would do. And you got peppers and onions on it. And and I would get like a little GI distress. And I just assumed it was, you know, it's a Philadelphia cheesesteak. It's not the most elegant thing in the world. There is beef in there. But uh, and then I would like, I would start eating green peppers here and there. And I just stopped eating them. Like Mm -hmm. I could, I could, for some reason, handle the red pepper, but like a green, a regular green bell pepper would just piss my stomach off. Mm. Now, obviously I don't eat any of that, but I mean, that was interesting. I was like, Oh, my body's trying to talk to me. And that's something I've learned over the years of podcasting and becoming a health nut is that to become optimal. Part of that process is your brain gut connections. Everything starts communicating better. And if we actually can listen to our own bodies, like to your point, right? Like eating something bitter is probably not good. Eating something way too sweet probably not good. Like let's listen to our bodies. And it, I just wasn't listening. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't have any GI distress yeah. eating meat.
1: Yeah,
0: and, no, for I've, some, I've oh, oh, and somehow I I, yeah. I pass things through the body and I'm able to use a bathroom once a once a day. And yeah. I'm not doing that three, four times a day, you know, like some people are doing. They're like, oh yeah. no, carnivores, you 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 guys have a uh, gut distress. I'm like, I have no distress.
1: No <laughs> well, look, I mean, look at look at that argument on its face, right? They say that you can't you can't break down meat. That it takes ten years to break down meat. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not going to be in your body for ten years, is it? No, it's right? Gone, it's gone the next day. A, this is a one way yeah. tube. It goes that way, yeah. right? And so it's not just going to sit there and just bulk up and be like, no, nope, it's meat now. So it's going to sit here for 10 years. That doesn't make any sense, right? So as long as you're, you're passing stools, you're not having obstruction, this is going out. And, uh, and they're yeah, saying, Anthony, well, that, I, that, need, that.
0: I need to have fiber or else I won't be able to pass the meat out.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but look at that, right? Because they're saying that you can't break down meat. You, it takes 10 years to digest, so you shouldn't eat it. So you should eat fiber, which you can never digest. Mm-hmm. No vertebrate animal can break down fiber and that's good for your diet. So which one is it, you know, is, is not breaking down, not digesting something good for you or bad for you, because you're saying it's bad for you with meat and good for you with fiber. Also it's, it's stupid because of course you can digest meat, you break it down and you absorb it within, you know, two hours, you know, you absorb, even, even an infant can, uh, break down and absorb meat in uh close to 98% of really? the meat that they eat. If, I have if, read yeah. a little bit
0: about that. Like how I mean how are we talking like infant, infant? Like I mean like as as
1: as their first meal sort of thing. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And so um yeah I'm not going there there was there was uh articles uh in the 50s I was reading about that and uh and the, talking about how meat was was the optimal first food for for a child mm-hmm. because it was so uh bioavailable and it was so readily absorbed. And well, so, if you, you think know, about you, it,
0: back in the hunter-gatherer era, it was the mother's milk, and yeah. obviously nutritionally, it would have been hunting. It would have been meat.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would have been meat. That's it. And so that's exactly what we're supposed to be eating. That's exactly what they're supposed to be eating. And so the idea is, is that I mean, because these these people are 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 looking at a phenomena, and they're and they're ascribing a reason for that, and they're not checking. They're not checking to see if they're right. So they say, well, you you defecate less. When you eat a lot of meat, therefore it's it's stuck, um, or or my body or, used
0: most of the stuff, yeah, and I, I have, there's it much all waste. And there's
1: no waste. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is this is where the Salisbury State came in with Doctor Salisbury, J. Salisbury, in the 1800s. Because he was saying there were people with, with rheumatoid arthritis, with Crohns, with ulcerative colitis, these people, especially with the digestive issues, they were very, very, very sore. They had no, there was no medications for this. There was no steroids. There's nothing that we could give these people that would help them in any, any real sense. They were very, very, very sick. And so he found that you know meat wasn't even good enough hmm. that you wanted to get rid of all the gristle as well. To make sure that there was no residue, that there was nothing coming out, that you were completely resting the bowel, and so uh, a Salisbury steak was—you everyone had their own grinder, everyone had oh, their I, own. Oh, I had grinder a Salisbury
0: grinder. steak as a kid, and then they How turned they turn them into those TV dinner things too. That was a popular yeah, yeah. one we always got. And probably not the healthiest yeah. way to cook it, yeah. but. I, I, well, I, that
1: was the only way I, I knew of it. I, I yeah. thought that, I knew that as a kid, I always thought it was like a place named like Salisbury, England, but it was actually named after Dr. J.H. Salisbury, right. right? Who did, you know, 30 year research project into optimal human health. And he found that people just stopped eating plants. This is long before processed sugar, processed foods, if you just ate, if you just ate uh, just meat, just red meat and water, you would reverse all of these different conditions. So he, he already wrote a book about that called the relation of alimentation and disease. So the relationship between what you eat and diseases, right? So, you know, my, my whole premise is something that he already wrote 150 years ago. Yeah, and, well, uh, and we good. just, we just completely papered over it and forgotten about it. So, you know, he found that if you ground this stuff in a certain way, you could separate out like the, the gristle from it and you just get like the, just the muscle tissue and the fat and, and then you just eat that. You make that into into hamburger. You will absorb one hundred percent of that. Mm. So n- nothing will come out, and you will completely rest your bowels. What do we do when we're, we're in surgery or in medicine when someone has you know really bad inflamed gut or like diverticulitis or appendicitis or treating conservatively or they've just had surgery and anastomosis? You know uh, you know cancer resection all sorts of things. You rest the bowel, do a low residue diet, and so that less things less stuff comes through the colon so it can just sit there and rest and get better you know the saying is like, oh no you need fiber just running through there all the time and have this work and 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 that and that's really restful it likes the work it's like a happy little communist worker in the ussr it really likes it yeah. like a, you know a 7 year old in a sweatshop in china oh it right. enjoys the
0: work. that goes back to you people know? justifying fasting right they're saying hey give those organs a break like you mentioned earlier yeah. there's a lot of blood flow going to your stomach like it's okay to. It's just like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym twenty four seven. I mean, you could try. Uh, you're you're, you're going to probably create injuries. You got to give yeah. things a break. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: you do. And so that that's exactly it. And so when you when you rest like that, uh, it does get better. It does heal. And so you know they, he found that out uh, with with the Salisbury steak. So so that was the thing. You're not going to the bathroom. Oh, well, that, that that means you're you're having a blockage. And people get worried about that now. They go on a carnivore diet or a low-residue diet. And they're like, but I haven't I haven't gone to the bathroom 16 times a day. Like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I have to go. And there'll be like a day or two and they won't go. Used to it. And, and they'll get frantic. And so they'll take laxatives. They'll take it. But I, I have to do this because I, I have to go. I was like, okay, well, did it did it come out as like a big brick? Well, no, it was like very liquidy. It was like, yeah. well, then you didn't have anything that needed to come out, did you? Right. right? Because if there was something stuck there, it would come out in a big stuck clump, right? right? So people because you have nervous
0: the extra fiber binding it all together. So
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's what causes these these major obstructions is the fiber, hmm. and that's actually what causes colon dysfunction and damage and diverticulosis. There was a study with 2000 people looking at all the different, um, uh, uh, like colonoscopies and things like that. 2000 people, they found the only things that related to, uh, diverticulosis. So that's that failure of the, the, of the colon outpouching and damage to that colon that can then precipitate to uh, diverticulitis, which can be very, very, be life-threatening that the only things correlated with uh, increased rates of diverticulosis, were more fiber in your diet and more uh, daily bowel motions. So the more times you were defecating, the more fiber you were eating. And they go hand in hand because the more fiber you eat, the more you have to defecate because you cannot break it down and absorb it. You cannot use this as a nu- as, as nutrition. No vertebrate animal can break down fiber. It's the special bacteria in the rumen of the, of the intestines of like a cow, or, you know, uh, other other animals are like hindgut digesters, like primates that actually are supposed to eat um, fiber. They have what we have, you know, a cecum is about that. Our cecum is that big. That's what we call our, an appendix. But in a gorilla like a full, or a chimpanzee. Full size you
0: know, of a pinky finger?
1: Like yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's about the size of your appendix, right? But that's actually a, a cecum. That's part of the cecum. And the uh, the the primates that that are supposed to eat, Fiber like gorillas and chimpanzees, their cecum is four feet long. It's this big, wrappy wow. curly thing, uh, and it's a blind pouch. And that's where fiber packs into and just sits and sits and sits and sits because it has to. You know, you talk about, you know, I was talking about with meat, they say, well, it just never breaks down, it takes 10 years uh it was like well, where's where is it going because we just have this right. one tube we don't have that outpouching we don't have that blind pouch that just sits there
0: I've never seen an Animals obese carnivore like if if you were storing it no. all right then your gut would st- you, you start developing i guess a meat belly which looks like a yeah. beer belly but it's you know like it, yeah. it's got to yeah. go
1: somewhere <laughs> Yeah well that's it it have to sit there i mean think of a, think of a, you know uh a gorilla they have big old guts cows, big old guts, oh, because yeah. there's a lot of plant material that takes a long time to break down. Mm-hmm. And it's so for
0: and everything else. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. And so, you know, when they're, when the fiber goes into their cecum, it sits there and sits there and sits there and sits there. Right. We don't have that anymore. We don't have any blind out pouches. So ours just has to go. It has to go. It has to go. And so, you know, that's how, that's how, you know, that this isn't, this isn't what we're supposed to be eating. We don't have the ability to break down fiber anymore. So why are we eating fiber? All animals that eat fibrous plants in the wild have the ability to break down fiber. We don't have that ability anymore. You know, so you know, people can talk about like, oh, well, if you look at the length of this and this, that, and the other, well, first of all, they're all wrong about that. They misinterpret all of those things, but it doesn't matter. What matters is functionality. You know, what can our guts do? Can it break down fiber? No. Then don't eat fiber. That's it.
0: It's a pretty simple equation, but- yeah. Why do we have to complicate things? Well, we're really good at that uh, as a species. We love to make things more complicated.
1: <laughs> well, well, people are making it complicated for us uh, to push their own narrative and agenda. And I think that it just, you know, you know, behooves us as, as people trying to learn what's right for their body and learn what's right for them to 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 question these things and to look at these things, look at them in a straightforward sort of manner and 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 say, well, why would that apply to us and no other animal on earth? Mm -hmm. why would it be that we eat hundreds of different varieties of plants? No other animal on earth does that. Why is that? That we're, if we're supposed to be eating plants that none of the plants that we're eating even existed 10,000 years ago, Ah, good point. which ones of these are supposed to, are we supposed to be eating? Which one of these did we evolve to eat? If none of them existed, you know, it may be that we ate some plants. Maybe some plants are really good for us. None of the plants we're eating are them, because none of them existed. And, you know, and if there was a plant that we were eating, like all other animals on earth, it would be a very select few, not this wide variety. Yeah. You know, they're saying that you need you need to eat this plant, this plant and this plant and this plant and this plant and this plant just to get a basic complement of nutrients. Well, look at where all those plants came from. First of all, they're all bioengineered or through hybridization and different sorts of farming practices. And also oh, yeah. nutrient density of, all,
0: of our, of our veggies, so to speak, that are in the grocery store is so nowhere near it was 20 years ago. If you were oh, yeah, exactly
1: right. Yeah. Well, that, that's very true as well. But then you also look at the fact that all of these plants that you say that these are required for proper nutrition, they didn't, they didn't arise on the same continents, hmm. Let alone in the same areas. So, you know, and again, none of them existed 10,000 years ago. So none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense uh, from, you know, it doesn't pass the smell test. And, you know, before you even get to that, you can look at the fact that no plants, no fungus contains a, a complete complement of nutrition for humans. None of them. You have to have meat no matter what you do. Even if you want to eat plants, that's fine. You do what you, you, you know, you do whichever you want to do but you have to have meat in order to survive unless you're taking a bunch of supplements and things like that. Uh, It's Um, it's
0: funny you bring that up because, uh, Oh God, how long ago did I make this post? It went pretty viral. November 23rd. I put, you know how people do the side by side things on Instagram now where you can like, you're mm -hmm. watching somebody else's video. I was like, you know what? I'll stick one of those up there. And uh, they call it the remix. Mm
1: -hmm. Somebody
0: had posted a clip uh of bear grills uh the adventure nut for what was he former british special forces or something like
1: I mean, that years, like I yeah i was like SAS or something anyway
0: in that little clip he says how he had gone either vegan or vegetarian and realized like his energy went in the tank like he couldn't perform he couldn't even do pull-ups and then and so the whole point of the clip was it's very carnivore friendly because he says they're like what do you eat and he goes you know steak and eggs i mean it's it's, it's he's like, my energy doesn't tank anymore. And, uh, it's funny though, cause I left the post up and I don't even pay attention. There's just, it's just nonstop. It's already been 15,000 views. Uh, and it, everybody's just attacking each other. You're used yeah. to, it. you're used to this. It's like, I don't have to do anything. I mean, you got the hardcore meat lovers, you know, making comments and then everybody's throwing different science back and forth. And then there's like the occasional, uh, a woman will pop in here saying, you know, what's with everybody being zealots? Like, you know, why has got to be one thing versus the other? It, it's hilarious. If I just look at for entertainment, mm-hmm. I'll just go back and look at all the commentary. So uh, it, it's, it's just, it's, I figured you would get a kick out of it because you get this probably every fifth post. <laughs>
1: yeah. Then too. Yeah. But that's and still good. Yeah. People
0: feel like they have to defend, it's like listen I'm not here defending one or the other I just know it works like that's Mm. but people like how do you sit down and eat a whole pound of beef I'm like easily and it tastes great
1: and yeah I was like and look you do that with gusto that's how yeah I was like
0: somehow I'm lean and trim and very athletic and I'm 45 years old and I'm yes I can sit down and eat a pound of beef before hopping on a podcast there you go
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and they'll and they'll say that's because you work out, you know. Well, you're doing that. Just I work because out you
0: work. less now than I ever did. I'm I'm, I'm lucky yeah. if I I travel a lot for business. I'm a I'm a sales consultant, a marketing guy, dude. I'm on the road more than I've ever been uh, this past year. I'm lucky if I'm in my home gym two to three days a week. Yeah, yeah. So, and I always remind people that too. It's like guys, like you can work out until you're. ready to go to the grave but if your kitchen sucks Mm -hmm. it's i'm all about how i fuel the tank so yes i've gotten a little weaker you know because i'm not lifting as heavy as i normally am Mm -hmm. but that's where it's like that's the advantage of the gym you add the gym in that's what makes you stronger that's the fountain of youth like vinnie likes to say like you got to move the body you got to you got to keep testing you got to strength train so i I, you know i try and beat the crap out of myself in the hotels when i can you know yeah but my kitchen is more committed than my gym life these days And I have no energy problems whatsoever.
1: No, well, I think that's the thing. You know, people say that you know, like, uh, you know, it's nine percent, you know, diet, ten percent hard work, or something like that. I think it goes further than that. I think it's one hundred percent diet, and everything else is a function of your diet because if whatever you're eating, that will multiply whatever you're doing, right? So, if it's a bad diet, it will multiply those sort of bad effects. If it's a good diet, it will multiply it. If it's a perfect diet, it will multiply it even more. And so if you are eating perfectly or if you are eating exactly what we are supposed to eat biologically, then you will get the most out of all of your workouts you'll be able to work your, you will be able to work harder, push yourself longer, recover faster and you will get more from the work that you put in. And that, that's what people don't get you know is that um, is that you get so much more return on investment for your workouts when you eat like this so you know the a little adage um you know work smarter not harder this this is this is that to a t because you can just work out you know uh sort of at a cursory level and you will get so much more out of it and even if you don't work out at all you'll still be lean you'll still be muscular just because that's the natural body habitus of humans when they are healthy eating a normal thing like an animal in the zoo you know people say it's like oh it's all working out well you know explain a line in the zoo you know, they live in a box the size of this room. They never yeah. move. That's a definition of a sedentary lifestyle. But they're ripped. They look like they're on steroids. You know, have you ever seen a fat giraffe, mm-hmm. fat zebra, fat no. lion? No, these things. These things are look like they're in very good shape. They are not in good shape. They have not <laughs> been exercising at all, probably for their whole life. And so, you can get that just baseline just by eating the right thing. And then, if you work and you push yourself and do some exercise, you will get so much more out of it. And so you will get a lot more and it's easier to work out harder. Oh, yeah. So I find that I can just go and I can go and I can go and I feel good doing it and I get so much more out of it. And then I maintain it a lot better as well. So like right now, you know, I have not been working out regularly, which I don't like. I, I feel much better when I work out regularly. Especially stress but-
0: management. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's just, and I, my body just feels better. I have more energy. It's it's sort of paradoxical. You know, I work out for an hour or two at night. I actually have more energy during the day. I accomplish more during the day. So I've, I've lost those one, two hours of being able to work on other projects or read or, or, you know, work on, on whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I'm doing that consistently, I get more done in the other hours of the day yeah. and I just feel better overall. So it, it, uh, I know intuitively like this is something I need to do, even though at the moment I've sort of dropped out of that habit. Well, full so, circle, like
0: you said earlier in the show, like again, what is the fuel you're putting in the tank? And you took it to the cellular level, mitochondrial. Like you just said, it's yeah. a 16, what was the calcul- final calculation? 16-fold,
1: 16-fold increase. Yeah.
0: Holy crap, God, mm-hmm. like there you go? And that's
1: just being in ketosis. You yeah. know, that's not all the other things.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know,
1: because all these plant toxins, they all damage your mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't understand. You know, cancer has also been shown to be a metabolic mitochondrial disease hundred years ago. Yeah. you know, Otto Warburg is a Nobel Prize winner in medicine, and he wrote a paper in 1951, I believe it's called uh, The Origin of Cancer. And he showed that this is coming from dysfunction of the mitochondria. This has been uh, further shown and ratified by the works of uh, people like Professor Thomas Seyfried uh, from Boston College, formerly at Yale, who has, has shown that cancer comes from the mitochondria, um, a couple, a couple, uh, points of, um, of evidence in that favor. First of all, you know, think thing this is only comes from genetics. It's just these genetic mutations. That's the only thing driving that. Okay. Well then why is it that there are cancers that have no genetic mutations, none. Right. So that kind of pops a hole in, in that argument, right? Uh, people can Google that, go on Google, Google, Google scholar, and just, and just Google cancers, no genetic changes. Hmm. All right. I Googled that because I was like, really, you know, and you can just go and you can do that. And you'll see, there's a lot of papers, uh, that, that talk about all these different cancers that don't have genetic changes. Um, and then you can, uh, also look at the fact that there are, that there are studies that they took, um, they took the, the nucleus out of, uh, a cancer cell. Oh, and that's another thing in, in like a solid tumor, right? Okay. You know, people think that it's just like that you have all these genetic changes and then that cell line just starts growing like crazy. But the problem is, is that in a cancer, in like a tumor, they're all different genetics. They're all these different cells all have different genetics. They all have different, different sorts of, uh, genetic, uh, mutations. Okay. Some of them will have similar ones. But they're not all the same, but they all behave as cancer, right. even though they don't all have the same genetics, right? So then there are experiments where you take out the nucleus with all the genetic changes of cancer, right, and you put that into a healthy cell with normal mitochondria. It does not behave as cancer, and you can actually clone, uh, you know, frogs and and uh, and sure. mice and things like that out of them, right? So that's a bit weird. And then you take the damaged mitochondria, because in these cancer cells, they may have different, some may have uh, genetic changes, some may not, some don't have any at all. They all have damaged mitochondria, every single one. And you take those damaged mitochondria out and you put those into a normal cell with normal DNA, with normal genetics, it does behave as cancer or it just dies off and you cannot clone anything from it. It will just die off. Very interesting. Even more, if you take healthy mitochondria and you put those in cancer cells, it stops cancer. Okay, so that's and there are always different ways
0: to starve cancer, right? So the the quote of "oh, we got to starve the cancer." Okay, well,
1: well, you starve the cancer. Well, that's the thing. When these damaged mitochondria, uh, with these damaged mitochondria, they require much, much more blood sugar hmm. because they're 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 not being able to they're not able to produce energy as efficiently right you know you just switch over to ketosis yep. and they're four times as efficient well that's because they're working on a better fuel but when they're damaged they can't they can't run on ketones at all so if you go into ketosis your body can run on ketones very well in fact better than it could previously yeah. uh, four times better 16 times better and but your cancer cells can't and so they require an Otto warburg showed this that cancer cells require 400 times the amount of blood sugar to function that our normal cells do. Okay, so if you go on a ketogenic diet and you reduce your uh, blood sugar level, you severely restrict the energy re- uh, resources available to that cancer cell, and and that makes it harder for it to behave as it wants to so so even our natural
0: process of gluconeogenesis is not going to be negatively impacting us right because obviously people say that's why it's like if you cut all sugar and you cut all the carbs out yes our body is still going to create a mm -hmm. small percentage that it needs just from gluconeogenesis but it's not going to create so much that it's going to be negatively impacting what you're just discussing there right
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, some of it's going to get into the cancer cells, right? Sure. Because you're not going to, you're not going to get your, your blood sugar to zero, right. but it'll be much right. less, you know, when you're eating carbohydrates, you get, you get very high blood sugar swings. And so that's, that's just pouring gas on the fire, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, uh, you're just, you're just really ramming in a ton of, of, uh, energy into these cells. And so if you're constantly eating carbs all day, you're, you just, you're just providing more and more energy yeah. for that cancer. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing it the other way and you're limiting it, if you have high ketones, if your ketones are up at a certain level, your, your blood sugar can actually go down to what we, what we would normally traditionally think of as dangerous levels. It doesn't affect people. Your, your people are just fully conversant and, and having no problem because their brain and their bodies can be, com- can run completely uh, well on just ketones. And so uh, the cancer cells can't, the cancer cells cannot run on ketones. So they're severely limited. And so what we, um, yeah, they sort of starve them out and you're, you're limiting the amount of, uh, uh food available. They can also run on glutamine, which is a, an amino acid that our, uh, our body makes as well. Um, and that is more difficult to limit. There are medications that can limit this, but they haven't really been approved uh, for use in, 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 you know, uh, you know, different sort of cancer modalities. Mm. Um, and so that's something because these things aren't, uh, you know, they're off patent and all that sort of thing. There's not really a bunch of money behind it to say like, Hey, here's a new, uh, you know, look at, at cancer and cancer treatments. So, but you know, people like, you know, Seafried, you've used this in animal models and shown that it works really, really well, uh, in, in killing off these cancers. In fact, in animals, uh, with like glioblastoma, uh, GBM, which is like the most aggressive form of primary brain cancer, yeah. really probably the most aggressive form of cancer at all. Um, put these into, into mice, um, and you know, you give them just normal, normal sort of chow, whatever that the, that the animals eat, uh, they'll, they'll die within, you know, sort of a week or so. And then you put them on a ketogenic diet. They live twice as long. Hmm you give them this thing called uh, dawn, which is a, um, you know, the uh, sort of limits the amount of glutamine available. Uh, they'll live, you know, like three times as long, right. So they'll leave live even longer than the ketogenic group because in GBM, there's so different cancers require different amounts of glucose and glutamine. Uh, GBM is like 70% glutamine, 20% glucose. Wow. Uh, from substrate level, um, glycosylation or, or, or um, uh, yeah. And so, that is, um, that's sort of the heavier side of things. But other other cancers are more uh, uh, glycolytic, so they'll use they use more glucose, so they're much more sensitive to uh, being in a ketogenic diet. But but GBM in particular, they're very uh, they're they're more dependent on glutamine. So that would stand to reason that the glutamine uh, limiting side or the the medication that affects that would be more efficacious in treating that it makes sense and it lines up. But then you get the combination group of the ketogenic diet, the calorie-restricted ketogenic diet, and the, the glutamine uh, inhibitor. No animals died at all. Very intriguing. Right. They all survived. And then they, after 40 days, they said, okay, we're going to sacrifice these things. And then we're going to take a look at the brains. Uh, and they looked on imaging and they found that in a lot of them, well, all of them, the cancers reduced significantly and many of them went away completely on imaging. And then on histopathology, when they, you know, sliced up the brain and looked at it under a microscope, that all they found were dead cells. There were, there were no living cancer cells. They were all just, they'd all just died off. So this is a very, very, very powerful tool. And again, all comes back to the mitochondria, all comes back to our metabolic function.
0: And again, are we going to hear enough about it? Because is there money in it? Because I mean,
1: that's the problem. If there's if there's no so, money
0: to be made, are, we, are they really going to aggressively figure this out and actually get it approved for uh, more use? Uh,
1: not those, by the way. <laughs> for those treatments. No, it's going to be difficult. But you know who does stand to benefit? Obviously, all the people who sure. are not getting sick and not dying of of these sorts of things, or not developing them in the first place, which I think is the key mm-hmm. uh, and the goal here. Uh, but also insurance companies, they don't, they don't like paying, you know, $3 million a year for these brand new state of the art. Interesting cancer treatment.
0: angle to go off to there. I like sure. that. Okay. Cause like who, yeah. who's got all the money, right? You got healthcare yeah. and the drug companies, but let's not forget about the insurance players. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Well,
1: the insurance companies are the ones paying for all these drugs yeah. and yeah. it may be that they have, you know, sort of in, in investments and and uh, conflicts of interest in their own sort of uh, business dealings, maybe they're they're part owners in the uh, prescription company, so they're happy to pay themselves a lot of money. Who knows? I'm sure they're. I'm sure you will run well, the into whole that thing's a sort of
0: racket. Thing. The system is so broken, yeah. <laughs> it's not even funny.
1: Like
0: yeah. them them in this country. I don't know if it's the same thing down your neck of the woods, but it's like you know, restricting MDs to 10 minute intervals with patients. I'm like, that's just like, that's not healthcare.
1: Possible. Yeah, no, that was yeah. not possible. You, you barely and, even get yeah. to
0: know the person's yeah. name and, and their age and, oh, what's your symptoms? And look up, that here's your, here's your pill. That's not healthcare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 10 minutes, sometimes you don't even know enough about it to know no. what pill to, to go with because, you know, it's- I call the, it a pharmaceutical band
0: Like you're hoping that yeah. was the right pill- our pharmaceutical solution. It's not a solution. It's a band aid. Like you didn't actually. Mm-hmm. There's no root cause determined yet. So, just pop it a pill, and hopefully, you gave him the right yeah. one. Because <laughs> she yeah, only exactly. had ten minutes. So,
1: uh, yeah. No, it's not enough time. Yeah, and uh, but I think that that's probably a good angle. You know, like you know, Sean Baker is has you know Rivera Health and what their angle is is I'm going excited to, company. to see what
0: he's ripping the lid off on that man yeah that's
1: yeah well they're well they're starting to get they get moving and they're and they're trying to talk to big companies you know like look Nike um you know they would they would incentivize people to work out to run to work to bike to work to you know you get a two hour lunch break if you go to the gym yeah. during that time and work out for at least an hour. And, you know, and you get paid more if you work out, if you get paid more, if you run, because it lowers their insurance costs. And what Baker is saying is like, hey, you want to lower it even more? You know, you go through this, you let me in there, you let, you know, educate these people and and, and get them eating right. You know, we'll, we'll reduce your insurance costs. I would cost love that. Literally.
0: I mean, I pay... I, I I'm an independent entrepreneur, so I got to pay I pay for my own policy. My wife, she's a veterinary doctor. They have their own stuff with, you know, they're all women practice. So I've always had my own thing. And I'm like, I, it just keeps increasing every single year and I don't use it. I, I stand corrected. I did collapse a long a year ago. I had to go for lung surgery for that. That was a oopsie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, okay, mm-hmm. first time in years, I actually needed it, you know, uh, and actually that's how I always tell people like, Oh, you don't, you don't go in for a regular MD checkup. And I'm like, when I need, too? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. but yeah. again, I got I got to pay all this stuff, and I was like, "I, where's my discounts? Like, I'm the one mm-hmm. saving a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. love to have protocols like that, rewarding people like myself who do take accountability for my health mm-hmm. and find ways to fuel my body right, my brain right, to make sure that I'm not a um, a negative drain." on the healthcare system, medical, you know, all these things. So uh, right. I do get a very cheap rate on my life insurance because, you know, they take your blood and they're like, Oh, you qualify for the healthiest thing. I'm like, okay, why does that not right. exist for healthcare, for insurance, <laughs> yeah.
1: well, you know, but it can in some places. You, know, I mean, you look at different policies. You know, obviously, you don't need you know all the uh, you know different sorts of you know women's health sort of things yeah. because yeah. you know you're, that's not going to apply to you. Your wife has her own insurance for that sort of stuff, yeah. and so you know you could even do like major medical, where it's like it's like a disaster sort of insurance. Where like I, I am kind pay. of at that
0: level now. I did dig yeah. into that about two years ago, so I think I'm yeah. at that. I just been too busy to go look and see if there's another level that I can look into. yet Because I'm like, I just, all I need, I'm good. Yeah. Like set, set my deductibles high. I've got money in the, in the bank. I'll pay the higher deductible for if I, yeah. if I collapse a lung.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And you just, just something happens. You need surgery and, and this helps pay with that. Yeah. You pay for that. But like your day to day going to the doctor, getting normal sort of prescriptions, like yeah, you don't need that you don't use that and so don't pay for it no. and you know and if you need it every now and then you need some antibiotics every now and then just you just pay for them out of pocket it's going to be cheaper that way a, and so a, yeah and, i pay, I pay um, for dental
0: cash i don't I, I literally just have my medical insurance i don't have dental i don't have eye you know i don't have any of that stuff i just pay for that cash if i need to go and get a cleaning or whatever but you know, that's keep it simple Keep it simple. Just like the diet, just like the kitchen. I didn't even be talking about here. That's why I love to catch up with you tonight. It's been, it's just so refreshing. I don't know. I actually, it reminds me, I do got to, you, you, you jumped uh, Baker a couple times. So I got to get Baker back on. He and I chatted at KetoCon like like you and I did too. Because uh, yeah. I do want to promote what he's doing with Rivera Health. That's super exciting. So, uh, But listen, yeah, we did a long format as as expected so i'm glad we we're able to align schedules and i know you got another thing at the top of the hour so uh like last time part one i always like to have my co-host and the show with an all-encompassing message so we're rolling into 2023 i'm going to air your show here part two in january to kick the year off strong so is there anything you want to leave behind for our audience what's is there anything you're targeting for 2023 that you want to put out to the masses
1: yeah well i think i think the main thing is you know we're having a lot of things come out you know like dr palmer's book with metabolic you know the the brain energy thing you know Mm -hmm. looking at metabolic health the the last few years looking at the most people that were most affected were people that were metabolically unhealthy as well finding out about you know uh you know cancer being linked to metabolism and the mitochondria the the main thing that you can do for your health and the health of your loved ones and really just the, the happiness and sanctity of your life is to look at your own metabolic health and try to, um, you know, try to take steps to become metabolically healthy. You know, I think that that it fundamentally comes from what you eat. Your metabolism is what you eat. You your, your study biochemistry is really just the science of what we eat and what happens when we eat certain things and the energy mobilization in your body, your metabolism is what you eat. And so when you're eating things that your body doesn't really know how to use properly, you will damage your mitochondria. There are a lot of these toxins that we sort of touched on, but didn't go into too much detail, but a lot of these plant toxins really damage your mitochondria and just running on carbohydrates damages and suppresses the function and expression of your mitochondria. So you, you make less of them. They're suppressed in number as well as function. And so, there are certain things and you can call them hacks and you can call them whatever you want, but there are certain things that increase the, the efficacy of your mitochondria ma- metabolism and the number. So there are certain things and people can look into them. There, this is all available on, on PubMed, Google Scholar, all these sorts of things take a look, see what, what is actually good for your mitochondria. And I'm sure there'll be other things mixed in there. Like all oh, this chemical and broccoli seems to help whatever. Okay. But what are the other 150,000 other chemicals in there doing? Right. Are those helping as well? Are those contributing? Or are they diminishing uh, from your metabolic and mitochondrial health? So I think that metabolic health is, is just the most important thing. It was what will keep you healthy and he keep you healthy longer and will help you weather, you know, all sorts of different infections and, Uh, and will prevent you from getting chronic diseases in the first place. Because I don't think that these so-called chronic diseases like autoimmune issues, like heart disease, even cancer and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and diabetes, I don't think these are diseases. They're non-communicable. They didn't exist 100 years ago in any real numbers. These are coming from eating the wrong thing. They are damaging our mitochondria. They are damaging our metabolism. And they are presenting themselves in these weird and horrible ways and they don't need to exist if you take care of your metabolic health
0: i love it i knew you'd close strong on that well listen hang tight when proper goodbye off the air so you can get to your next meeting ladies and gentlemen part two we nailed it long form by the way almost two hours because there's a lot of knowledge dropped today so make sure you hit rewind uh so again follow him on instagram and youtube i'll have all the stuff linked on the show notes for the uh, episode release at anthony chaffee um Guys, it's metabolic health, your mitochondria, the power plant in your cells, everything we discussed tonight. Focus on it, all right? So remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. Anthony helped us do that today, part two, in the books. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, you too can live the fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Recording.